Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. We will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket, 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 rocket man, but to totally destroy North Korea. Oh my God! That I knew that you were going to play Rocket Man. I had no idea that you had put <laughs> over the Oh my God! I think that's the funniest thing yet. Oh, if it wasn't to the UN General Assembly, it would be absolutely hilarious. Oh, that was fun. Rocket Man is great. Oh God! It might lead to the end of civilization, but that for that intro was it was worth it. Hey, we've got some material to talk about this week. That's right. all I know. Welcome back, guys. Hey, good to be here. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. Is it is it like 95 degrees in New Hampshire? Because it's here in Chicago. It's like insanely. I'm sweating. <laughs> is that unusual for you to sweat? <laughs> this much, yes. Okay. <laughs> it is scorching. Oh. Um, yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun things to talk about. Um, before we even get into it. Um, Shameless plugs. Uh, we're Barstool Politics. Find us on Facebook uh, at Barstool Politics, uh, Twitter at Barstool Paul. Uh, you can check out the beers that we try on the Untapped app. Um, so download that to your phone or iPad. Uh, if you have beer suggestions or comments or questions that you want us to answer on air, um, send them to our email address, uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. Uh, and we try and answer as much as we humanly can. Yes. Ooh, excuse me. Oh, the other thing to, to preview me. is that next week we're going to have Dr. Suzanne Chad on, and we're going to have a special yeah. episode, yeah, where we uh, we break down the Hillary Clinton book, or at least Hil- part Hillary of the show. Clinton's going to be our guest next week, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> She's trying to find as many outlets as possible to complain to. So we're gonna. So the book has come out, and we're going to break down some of the arguments and some of the coverage of the book. So we'll do at least half the show uh, thinking about uh, the role of Hillary Clinton. So there's some really interesting storylines that have come out of that. Agreed. But for the time being, we have Rocket Man to talk Rocket about. Man. What a great! I really hope he ad libbed that. I don't. No, want I think that planned. was in because he had tweeted that out. Was it a week ago? Oh, he had used it in a right. tweet. I, yeah. And then, and he, I think he liked it so much. <laughs> he you know told what? The that get this pretty in. good. <laughs> you th- so you think that was in the written copy that he was reading? hundred percent. I, I think, really. I think yeah. yes that he. It, it, there was such good feedback, or at least he felt good feedback about when he called him Rocket Man on Twitter. That I think he demanded that be in there because the the phrase was, I mean, what is it here? It was uh, um, Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. Right? There is so much in that line. Oh my god! I will spend my entire life savings just to get a hold of that the written speech, yes. and that'll be my crowning achievement put, in my home. Put it on your wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So before we get too far into this, we should step back and talk a, or frame this a little bit. Talk a little bit about what we're talking about, That's right? That's correct. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so this is the this week is the opening of the United Nations in New York, and so for that opening, uh, many heads of state come in, diplomats from all over the world come in, and every head of state is given an opportunity to address the United Nations. Uh, and usually, each head of state gets around fifteen minutes, except for the president of the United States, who's allowed to give a longer address. We pay more for that. Yes, yeah, it's you know, well, the real estate is worth it, so. obviously. <laughs> so President Trump gave his speech yesterday, and it was a 
Oh, it was, I would say it reminded me of his inauguration, that uh, American Carnage speech. I mean, it was dark. It was aggressive. It was the world is going to hell. And uh, in that speech, he went after North Korea. He went after Iran. He went after Syria, he Venezuela. Said countries are going to hell. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and in, in the process of talking about North Korea and suggesting that Rocket Man is on a suicide mission, I think that's important, right, that he used suicide mission. Mm-hmm. But he also said that the United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies we will have no choice but to totally destroy north korea Mm -hmm. so in a speech to the united nations the president of the united states said he might totally destroy north korea what was great was that completely by happenstance the north korean delegation was like in the front row right in front of him as he was saying this and and probably tweeting yeah send missiles now Who is this rocket man they're talking about? <laughs> the other interesting thing is apparently a total coincidence, but the fire alarm started going off at the State Department the same time that Trump was giving this speech. <laughs> so, so mm. Phil, what was your reaction to the speech in Rocket Man and, and totally destroying North Korea? Um, so I, I was I this came on the speech came on as I was starting my intro global politics class. So my class, we watched the first 20 minutes of it and it was I was in sort of international politics mode at the time, teaching at the time. And so the speech was interesting. It was in my mind, it was I mean, it was jarring and I'll come back to why. But it was also kind of uniquely American Mm -hmm. in that he started off the speech by praising international institutions, the U.N., cooperation. We all need to work together to improve the world. And then he shifts gears into this. But if you don't get on board, we will kick your ass, right? (laughs) Which is a very American way of viewing the world, I think, right? It's all about love and working together and working with us, you know, will destroy you. Having said all that, the second half of it, that where he goes after Iran and North Korea, um, was disturbing i think (laughs) (laughs) terrifying so i mean there's so many reasons that i could there's so many different aspects that we could talk about here there's the the weird trumpian way that he's using nicknames for people in a in a speech to the general assembly there's the fact that before the general assembly he's essentially threatening a war crime right i'm going to totally destroy a, a country of 26 million people um there's the contrast between North Korea and Iran, right? Where we're tell- telling North Korea, you better get in line and cooperate with the international system. <laughs> right. Also, Iran, who's been trying to cooperate, we're also going to kick your ass. <laughs> right. Right? We're going to tear <laughs> that deal up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many different things. And, and I think to, a, to an American audience who's used to hearing this and has sort of gotten used to being in prison, right, in Trump prison, I don't know that it was I think it was shocking, but not it was like sort of mildly kind of oh, this is Trump like I can't believe he said that. Ha ha. I think to an international audience, it's really shocking. And especially when you consider not that they're not that they're unaware of who Trump is, but to make a speech to the United Nations in which you make these sorts of assertions is I don't know that it's unprecedented, but it, it's really unusual. It is. We've all all three of us have been in the United Nations Grand Hall there and it is. It's diplomatic, and it is the idea that is that everybody tries to have you know diplomatic engagement, right? It's, you know, the idea is that you don't go over the top, and then when there are these moments when uh, Khrushchev slams his shoe on the on the table or Castro goes on for four hours, those stand out as as uh, unique. And I think this is going to fall into one of those outliers of really bizarre UN speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're right. Like 30, 40, 50 years from now, people will look back and think. 
Remember the time the U.S. president threatened to nuke a, pl- yes. a country off the face of the earth in front of the U.N.? This, like that, that's remarkable. This just reeked of – I mean I would say Bannon, but Bannon's gone. So this is Stephen, Stephen Miller, Miller who wrote Stephen this speech. Miller. I mean because they he got all of his key phrases in. So Rocket Man, a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also uh, you know goes after Iran. He said the Iran deal was an embarrassment to the U.S. He, he worked with radical Islamic terrorism in. He called terrorist loser terrorists. I mean loser so – ter- like, mm, So, right, so yeah. Rocket Man and loser terrorists. I like Rocket Man better than Loser Terror. I don't think the Loser think... Terrorist is played at this point. Right, they needed something yeah. fresh and new. He, he, I mean, this is the, the stuff he said. It, it's both shocking and not surprising at all, right? Like th- this is Trump's worldview put on display. So I, I was listening to the Daily, the New York Times podcast, and they were saying this morning they went back and counted. He used the word sovereignty, mm-hmm. sovereignty, sovereign or sovereignty. Um, 19 times in that speech. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, th- if you think of the of Trump's worldview of America first, leave us alone, you know, don't quit asking so much of the United States, we're going to do what we want and what's best for us. All of this lined up with Trump and his view on things, right? So nothing about that was particularly surprising. It's just jarring to see it in, you know, put on full display like that. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about it, realistically, the thought of, the United United Nations as a collective of sovereign nations realistically is not incorrect in any way, shape, or form. When, you know, I I think we've gotten away from that and seeing it as this, you know, overarching, superseding institution that, you know, kind of has this very, not to use the term globalist in the sense that that the administration uses it, but a, a global reach that transcends sovereign borders. But then you add rocket man and nuclear war and <laughs> you know tearing up nuclear agreements and then there's a problem <laughs> the fact that he used the word sovereignty that many times suggests that this was like a key theme for them right they wanted to to make sure that i wouldn't say isolationist but it was disconnecting the united states from this global community to say mm-hmm. that we are i heard it heard it described today as a very selfish foreign policy that the united states was going to pursue its own interest and he even said that he said america first and you other heads of state you should pursue your own countries first, right? That's kind of the framework that's being used. Uh, I guess to, to narrow down on the Rocket Man comment, when he says Rocket Man is on a suicide mission uh, for himself, and the, for me, the fact that he said suicide mission is, is significant because that means that at least he or the administration starts to think that they're no longer rational actors. And this is something that I've been thinking about for the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks, that what they're trying to do is make them into something that is worthy of a preemptive strike mm-hmm. so if they're not rational if they can't be deterred deterred through traditional means you have to preempt so that's that was scary for me to say that or to think that this might be where the administration is moving mm-hmm. oh and i, I, I yeah, yeah go ahead i agree and I, I think the um the there's been lots of discussion about obviously north korea over the last few weeks and lots of descriptions of uh the the Kim administration as evil, right? Right. Um, and and that is in some ways the same sort of like argument. But if someone embodies evil, then there is no working with them, right? They right. are just evil to the core. If you think of them as having uh, interests that are different than yours, and you know misguided interests, and they might do some evil things, right? That's different than saying that they are in in and of themselves evil, right? So if you think of them as I- evil and irrational, then the only thing to do is to wipe them out, right? right? There is no other option. Uh, right. And, and McMaster lately, the National Security Advisor, has been talking about military solutions and that this this may be what we pursue. 
I, I, to me, this is mind-boggling because I can't see any way that a military solution here works. No, we've talked about it yeah. ad nauseum. So, so what are they thinking? You, you know, whether you're taking up the nuclear facilities or have they just accepted the reality that to get to where we need to be, we're going to have to go through a conventional conflict with North Korea. That's insane. It is, right? It is. But McMaster and even Mattis to some degree, Mattis I think has been a little more restrained on this, have come out and said military solutions are on the table. We don't want to go there, but we will if need to be. Or they're just raising the rhetoric to this level that that they're going to get trapped in their own rhetoric. I I, It sounds bad. I think it's probably something similar to that. I think they're playing chicken at this point. I, 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 to think that you can say that to the head of a sovereign country, regardless of what country it is, without any sort of repercussions and most likely negative repercussions, seems really short-sighted and dumb. To every, me. every time this happens, North Korea responds. It's right. not as if they right. say, "Okay, well, the United States has now finally gotten serious." They're, they're going to shoot off another missile or test something soon. Right? Was but, it? So, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, um, was it after we taped last week that they shot a missile over Japan? Another yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, that, was, that wasn't nice, Nick. No, obviously no. not. Japan doesn't like that. He's rocket. That's <laughs> rocket. That's yeah. what he does. So uh, two, two kind of points that I um, want to throw out here. I, uh, North Korea, people who know North Korea that, I've, that I read, um, I'm no North Korea expert, but people who seem to be North Korea experts, uh, seem pretty convinced that if North Korea, like the one situation in which North Korea might use a nuclear weapon is regime change, right? If mm-hmm. if the Kim administration feels like they're losing control of the administration of the of losing power, that seems like the only thing. So it seems like the two options that the Trump administration see, views as acceptable are either China helps push Kim Jong Un out, right, and w- force regime change. Um, or we're going to do it through military force. But that again, that's the that's the time that they will actually nuke us in those situations. <laughs> that, 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 you think they don't, do they not? I mean, maybe this is where it matters that you might have people in the State Department who can talk about these things, which we don't have. We don't. The State Department is empty. Right. right. They, they're cutting people left and right. So the delegation, this is a bit of a uh, tangent, but, you know, usually we send it's roughly like 300 diplomats for the opening of the U.N. Mm-hmm. week. We sent half of that. And so some of the bureaus, we didn't send any anybody. So there's bureaus on democracy and human rights. We're like, well, don't need that. The environment. And, you know, so so there's those people who normally would be engaging that dialogue aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's disturbing. Yeah. The other the other question I have is, is, is there an end point to this? So, so what has happened, essentially, if you go back over the last couple of weeks is, or the last couple of months, is that North Korea does something. Trump says... Stop it. If you do that again, we'll kill you or something along those lines. Right. To which North Korea responds by doing it again. Right. Because that's kind of like so they don't want to give in. Children right? Do. Yeah. right. So Trump then again. So, so, I mean, his statement was yesterday was not that um, I'm looking up the statement here. It wasn't that if they attack us, we'll wipe them out. Hmm. The the thing was, if the U.S. is forced to defend itself or its allies. So it's. You know, you might read that as defend itself militarily, but it's vague enough, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that if U.S. has to defend itself, we have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Is there a point where this rhetoric kind of runs out in the sense of if the, Trump keeps saying, "If you do this, we have no choice but to destroy you," and then they keep doing stuff to escalate it? 
Like at some point, Trump loses credibility by continuing to threaten these things, right? I, I mean, the only, I think the only point at which you respond to that is, like you said, there needs to be some sort of military action or intervention. They need to invade South Korea or they need to shoot a, a, a legitimate ICBM at some U.S. ally. And probably not even a U.S. ally. It doesn't really matter at that point. Well, and given how aggressive Trump was going after Obama for the red line in Syria, he's going to be well aware that he's been trapped by his own language, and he's not going to give up. I mean, this is no, a this is a schoolyard <laughs> bully, right? He's a he's a bully dealing with a, just an obnoxious little kid. That's it's not going to end well. Neither side Trump, is going to back down. Trump is not well aware of anything. I don't <laughs> right. think. But so here's the here's the parallel I see. Like Trump is like all bark and no bite, right? right? Like, I feel like this is a trend that you see in, you know, like if you go back prior to president, to his presidency, he threatens to sue people left and right, right? Like he's nasty in his rhetoric, mm. but then he, life happens and he moves on. Right. right. And so my concern is that that, hopefully that's what's happening, right? He's like, he launches into this fiery rhetoric, watch it or we'll wipe you off the face of the earth. But then he goes about his life and goes home. And yeah. like last night after that speech, he went home and tweeted about the Emmys, right? Like he's moved <laughs> on to something else. That, yeah, that's that's a good um, point. He does have a five second attention span, even when it comes to potential nuclear war. Well, and, and there's then. another hurricane coming. So maybe that will distract him. <laughs> right. that, happened, yes. that worked last time. Right. He's got to get crowds. Go ahead. On, on one man, like from a one man study on both sides, I can't see Trump actually ever actually doing this mm -hmm. if it were just him. Right. He's going to lash out and then not do anything. Kim Jong Un, I think similar. Right. Like he's going to sort of lash out in response to the U.S. but not do anything. But there's this lethal combination of the two of them who continue to push each other. And, and that's what scares the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. It only takes one to, to make that step into an actual altercation where if North Korea does something to the United States or if the United States does something to North Korea, right? It's, it's a, it easily flips into a real conflict. So, no, I, I, I hope you're right, Phil, but I'm terrified that you're not, uh, that this you, could. <laughs> you remember last week when I said I was feeling better about North yes. Korea? <laughs> you're back. <laughs> you know, we probably should move on to the second topic. But one thing that's not getting a ton of attention on this is that is what you started with with is Iran. Mm -hmm. So we've got two situations, North Korea, where there's no agreement, and we're saying we may go to war with them, and Iran, where we actually have an agreement. And in that speech last night, Trump basically said, we're getting out. I mean, he didn't say that specifically, but he was, he was going after it, suggesting that we're going to revisit it, and that this is the worst deal in American history. Probably not going to find them in compliance with the deal. Exactly. Coming up in, I think, October 15th is when we have to certify that. And so this suggests that now we're suddenly going to have two crises on our hand, both and North Korea and Iran. So and tired. which which is yeah. of course it is counterproductive as well right so yes. if you're if you're kim jong un and and the pressure is to normalize right to to sort of re-enter polite international society give up your nuclear weapons and international society will embrace you and help you back in and the other option the the alternative the example you have is iran right who's trying to in theory trying to do you know what is it what the international community has commanded of them and trump's giving in the same speech this screw you iran mm -hmm. um the israelis yeah. loved it though oh of Net course Net netanyahu he was going crazy at oh the speech. Yeah. yeah who so who do you i, I know we need to move on but th throughout his speech there was at, at several points about like emphasizing nationalism and you know screw the international community we all got to look out for ourselves <laughs> there there was applause right but it wasn't rounded applause it wasn't everyone applauding it was clearly coming from a few delegations yes. who are those countries who listened to that speech yesterday <laughs> and were like oh this guy's great i've been wanting to hear a speech <laughs> like this for years 
it was it was likely Israel, right? So Israel uh-huh. clearly was supporting this. And I'm guessing that a bunch of those tiny Asian Pacific countries, like Micronesia, go, and this is great, right? You know, just like it's a little bit of support. The country- Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe's like, yeah, screw yes. international community. Yes, well, Sudan. they were all ca- they were calling him Rocket Man. All the delegations were calling him Rocket Man after the speech. Nikki Haley was on TV today saying that this is working so wonderfully, and- like it was a marketing gimmick. I know. The, 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 <laughs> We also throw out that Rocket Man's a cool nickname. It is a cool like nickname. Gonna, yeah. If you're going to call somebody Rocket something, Man don't call him John Rocket Man. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of the three of us would be Rocket Man? What? Definitely me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. On that, Damn it. on that, we're switching to topic two. Okay. <laughs> so, the other big story this week, or at least our perception of the big story of the week, was uh, Paul Manafort, who. Uh, who appears to be heading to jail soon. Yeah. Uh, there were a number of stories written this week and news that broke, suggesting one dealing with, we, we knew that his house, that there, there was a search warrant executed at his house. What we didn't know is that the search warrant involved a picking of his lock. So they showed up at his house early in the morning in July, picked his lock, and the first that Paul Manafort knew about it was when they were knocking on his bedroom door, informing him that they were going, they were executing the search warrant. Additionally, it was also revealed this week that they uh, the, that a FISA uh, warrant was issued both during and after the campaign to listen to his conversations. I thought it was prior and after. It was prior. Yeah. Prior, yep. prior to the campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then after election. Right. Okay. Uh, either way, they're listening to a lot of Manafort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the suggestion being that Robert Mueller is moving in a very aggressive direction. And then afterwards, apparently, he informed Manafort that he's going to be indicted, right? So there's you, you go for the search warrant. Uh, they they subpoenaed his lawyer and spokesman. I mean, they are putting the they, major squeeze on, on Manafort right now. They went through his closets and took pictures of his, his suits, suits and his right. belongings. Ooh. Yeah, as, as, a, as an attempt to show evidence of, like, more money flowing through than no. he's actually <laughs> disclosing. Yeah. Grab some of that cash, find some wigs, and head to Mexico and be done with it. <laughs> well, and apparently to get the warrant to search his house, they had to convince a judge that it was likely that Manafort would try to burn or get rid of evidence so, you know, so that they could pick the lock and go in. So they were convinced, and a judge was convinced that that would be the case so that they could do that with the FISA warrants uh, they had to convince a judge judge that there was probable cause that he was acting as a foreign agent for another country mm-hmm. this is we've gotten our, our, our Manafort's gotten himself into some pretty serious stuff right now well who did he meet with again that yeah, was so to, part of oh the, this is the new news yeah just, yeah, today, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. just before we came I don't know an hour before we started recording this the Washington Post uh, broke a story that uh, he like in like the days before the election was advising um, one of Putin's like closest cronies like this the, the Russian king. What, it was the it was the aluminum king. Yeah, he's it, back it, again. A, the guy who was flying around the country following Trump on his. I, lo- I love the aluminum king. He just doesn't care about any kind of rules or jail or anything. The the, the sort of blatantness with which Manafort has. Like most most corrupt officials are like smooth and secretive right. about it. Manafort's just like in your face corrupt, right? Right, and he's corrupt widely. So he's corrupt with the Ukrainians, with the Russians, with everybody. The <laughs> yes, the Turks. Now the question is, or the allegation is, that the reason Mueller is going after Manafort so intensely is that he's going to squeeze him to get information on Trump. Is that is that do we do we agree that that's what's going on here that he's he's going after him he's I mean otherwise why as you were saying before we went on air Phil why do you tell somebody I'm going to indict you and put you in jail for a long 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 time 
I'm just going to just think about that for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of implications of this, right? Like one Manafort's going to jail to the pressures increasing dramatically on, on, on Trump. Um, I, I think in response to your aunt, to your question, I think both things can be true and that Manafort's <laughs> incredibly corrupt and is probably going to jail for a long time. Um, but also at the same time, yeah, you put as much pressure on Manafort because th that pays off in multiple ways, right? You, you possibly get Manafort to open up to talk about, uh, you know, communications or dealings with, with Trump and others. You also set this in this message to everyone else in the Trump administration that we're coming hard after right. you, right? Like <laughs> Mueller, you should be, you should lay awake at night worried about what Mueller knows about you. Right. And that creates, I mean, I th my impression is that is sort of typical of these sorts of investigations, right? You want to create some level of fear uh, because you want people to to start talking and start thinking about their own, um, you know, saving their own hide. Hey, we've all uh, watched Law and Order. We know how it works. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it works all the time. You know, in going to the FISA, the FISA warrants, you know, there were allegations. So CNN had a story yesterday say, uh, saying that some of the intelligence uh, collected includes communications that sparked concerns among investigators that Manafort had encouraged the Russians to help with the campaign, according to three sources familiar with the investigation. Right. So they're saying that that Manafort may have been directly interacting with the Russians and then saying to the Russians, like, let's get involved. Help us where you can. Manafort has previously denied this. This. This is the smoking gun, if it's true. And again, they, there there needs to be more corroboration of those this sources. Is, but this is this is it, right? That's this is the this yeah. is the smoking gun laying by a dead body with right. fingerprints on it, right? Yes. Like, this yes. is not, with this Trump's is tiny exactly. little hands, right? <laughs> well, and that's the other implication. So if they were listening in, so if they had a FISA warrant and were listening to Manafort's conversations before he. In, before he took an official role with the Trump administration, it almost certainly means that there are conversations with Trump, right, right. that are that, that are recorded or that have been listened to. Now, apparently, they don't the Mueller or the 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 tap or the the sort of FISA warrant, the listening in to phone calls. Um, they don't have phone calls around the time that that uh, Don Jr. met with the Russians so famously we talked about a few months ago. Yeah. So there's this gap in there, but before that and after that, like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Roger Stone, your favorite person, Bill, <laughs> right. was tweeting this week about how furious he was about how his, his phone calls with Manafort had been, the government had been listening in. <laughs> right. So. Trump was right. <laughs> right. It, it, it feels like we're getting closer to something big here. If, if Manafort gets indicted or something else, Flynn, I think, is soon to follow those two, and then they will... Would Is there any reason they wouldn't squeal? I mean, is Manafort or Flynn or either of them going to stick up if they... If they have information on Trump, if there's something there, there, right, they, they will squeal right away, right? No, what we've talked about for the last five minutes is literally the fact that Manafort will sell himself <laughs> right. to the highest bidder, right? <laughs> when, it, when it comes to saving his own hide, yeah, I think he'll flip on Trump. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not going to jail, right? Like, that just means he'll go to jail for less time for less. than he would otherwise. So the other like all this story has been going crazy this week, all sorts of aspects of it. Like the, I forget who somebody was reporting that amongst the Trump team in general, I think I think uh, generally amongst the sort of Trump cabinet advisors, but specifically amongst the Trump legal team, there are all these fears that someone within the group ha is wearing a wire right. for Mueller. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, 
you can just imagine. I mean, that tells you so many things, one of which it tells you the level of concern, right, or paranoia or worry that is going through the Trump administration about the Mueller investigation. But it also you can only imagine what that must do. Right. If you if you are like constantly worrying about who around you might flip on you or might be recording your conversation, um, that's going to have a, a pretty serious impact on the conversations you have and the, the policy you carry out, all sorts of stuff. I totally agree. But wouldn't you think, I mean, you, you should probably tell a little bit about Ty Cobb having his lunch. So if everybody's so worried about somebody having a wire, Ty yes. Cobb shouldn't have done what he did. Right. So this, this is where the paranoia of the Trump administration meets the incompetency of some of the people they've taken on. So, yeah, the other story that came out yesterday, I guess, day, maybe day before yesterday, was that Ty Cobb, the famous mustachioed attorney for Donald and, Trump and baseball player <laughs> baseball player um, apparently had a meeting at a public at a steakhouse in DC so it was it was Ty Cobb and oh, who is Trump's essentially uh, who's his his attorney on the sort of on the White House side Don McGahn but it wasn't him right it was the guy no, uh, yeah it was it the was, guy underneath him or something yeah it was Trump's Trump's essentially non-official. So it was like the attorney that represents Trump on his non sort of official non-presidential stuff. So um, these two attorneys who represent Trump um, were having a lunch yeah. at a steakhouse in D.C. openly and loudly talking about their strategy and their concerns <laughs> um, and about their sort of divisions with with McGann or McGon. Yeah, McGahn? yeah McGahn to whether or not to release these documents. Yeah. With a, with a New York Times reporter at the next table. Oh <laughs> so this next New York Times reporter took pictures, jotted down <laughs> notes, took notes of all of the conversation that was going on. So it's the sort of thing. And apparently there were some 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 people who suspected that they must have done this intentionally. Right. right? It sounds like misinformation. Right. That you're wanting to throw this information out there. They knew that this was a, like a New York Times, a re recognizable New York Times reporter. Oh, boy. Oh. Have you heard about this indictment? <laughs> right. right, right. But then apparently afterwards he got called in. Uh, Ty Cobb got called in to to meet with Kelly and yes. somebody else, and just got torn a new one. <laughs> Kelly ripped him a new one. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? But apparently while they were eating this lunch, the the New York Times reporter has been interviewed a couple times about this. He's sitting there, and apparently other significant individuals recognize him and come up, including Maggie Haberman, who's like a big big reporter for the New York Times, who everybody recognizes, right. and he's trying to say like, go away, go away, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't realize this. <clears throat> yeah, they're talking very loudly. It's just, it's comical mm -hmm. how bad they are at this. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 Um, any final thoughts on this one? Besides what's what's the over? Else? Okay, I'm going to set the over under people going to jail at three. Do you Ooh, take over. Total people? Total over. people from this. You feel you wait, take so the wait, over? Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Is, does it have to be people going to jail tied to Russia or people from the Trump with ties to the Trump administration going to jail the latter people tied to the Trump administration going to jail up until this point crimes I'm, that were committed up to, so I would say you think more I, than three I'm taking the over, over. taken under you're taken under yeah I think it'll be three <laughs> <laughs> loser has to buy beer that's right um, speaking of which beers yeah looks terrible no no it no better be good. well I haven't tried it yet so I can't say okay. Phil uh, you were you're drinking some coffee beer right yeah, yeah, so you got to give me a second. I'm opening my – so I went down to um, the local beer place here uh, in Keene, and I, I always ask for suggestions and give me something different. 
that I haven't tried. And so he gave me a variety of beers, but he gave me two coffee-based beers. And I don't know, I, I have to say, so these are beers brewed with coffee. The first one I had is a hot, bo- it's an Oscar Blues brewery, which is out of Colorado, hot box coffee porter, um, which is a porter with hot box roasters, cold brew coffee added. So it's a beer in which they add cold brew coffee. I went into this expecting to hate it because coffee and beer combined mm-hmm. sounds terrible. And I have to say that was pretty damn good. Yeah. It was, it was good. It, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a coffee flavor, but it's not like overwhelming or strong. And it, with the Porter, it just goes really well. I, that like, I will probably buy more of those. That, okay. It was, it was really good. It was really good. Now my second one is also a coffee beer. I'm going to be up, all night <laughs> between <laughs> the beer uh, and the coffee. And but the, my second one is um, a Founders Brewing Company, and I'm, I'm trying to look and see where they're from. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Grand Rapids, Michigan, maybe. Founders Brewing Company, um, and this is their Sumatra Mountain Brown. It's an Imperial Brown Ale, also brewed with Sumatra coffee. And if you will give me about three seconds... <laughs> Dead air is Dead great, air. right? Yes. I know, I know. <laughs> That's good, too. Um, that has even an even stronger coffee flavor. This one's like a 9%, so it's a stronger beer. Um, yeah, uh, ask me again at the end what I think so of that, it. The that, initial impression is that it's good, but I, I like the hot box better. So 9% means it's going to be fun in speed round. Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Nick, what'd you have? Uh, hold on. Lots of hold on and wait. Down there. <laughs> yes. hold, hold on. We, are, we have really nailed hold this on. whole yeah, podcast. The transitions are wonderful. Now I have to come back. Um, <laughs> Well, like I, I said to Bill, as the only uh, non-lefty borderline communist here, um, I had a uh, an uh, America beer from Surly. Um, Surly is great, um, and America is even greater, obviously. <laughs> um, it's uh, no, it was a pretty standard kind of pilsner lagery type thing. No, pilsner, not lager. Um, but it had kind of a, a light hoppiness, almost kind of citrusy floralness to it. So it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't standard American beer that just it's like piss water. So I was very appreciative of that. Um, yeah, pretty pretty average. Um, Real men drink coffee beer, Nick. Yeah. Do they? <laughs> okay there, Phil. <laughs> Your second beer is also manly. Yeah, this one actually is manly. It's It's got flannel on it and everything um this is a haas uh oktoberfest lager from uh, uh great divide uh, oh out of Denver. colorado yeah well, oh they're good. wonderful yeah yeah um pretty good so it's um it's not as heavy as a standard oktoberfest which i really like uh it's again i'd say drinkable for everything yeah i guess everything's drinkable we are because drinking them all, yeah. it's, it's so, delicious it's it's not as you you say it's not as heavy which you really like you like that it's not as heavy I or do you like, like the heavier october no i like that it's not as heavy uh i feel like i could drink a copious amount of it and it's yeah. it's oktoberfest so i might do that absolutely um, yes highly recommend so I had a, uh, a white ale from uh, Clown Shoes Brewery, uh, which I will have to say, when I was at the liquor store and I saw that it was clown, it just felt like, <laughs> like he might be wearing clown shoes. But uh, so this is a white ale, and it was uh, it was light, it was crisp, it was zesty. Can a beer be Ooh, zesty? Yes, it can. Yeah, I think this this was zesty. So it was a you know it was one of those no. beers that you have on the the back porch after mowing the lawn. So it was and, yeah. 
in my mind, a white ale is like a wheat beer. Is that are yeah. they similar? But it wasn't as thick. Normally, with like a wheat beer, you got all the gunk that's in there, and there wasn't yeah. that. It was more. Uh, almost, I don't like the gunk. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> not a lot of gunk on this one. Okay. So my second beer uh, from Wiseacre out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee, is that looked evil coming out no, of that no, can. No, no, Nick, it's you got to get up to get down. <laughs> that's the name <laughs> oh, of the beer. Oh, oh and boy. it is uh, similar to Phil's beer. It is a coffee milk stout. And like you said, Phil, I'm always surprised how much I enjoy coffee stouts. I always think, oh, I'm not going to like it. It's going to be too heavy. But it's this is very drinkable. Um, I am I'm a little tired, so the coffee I think is going to help. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. So uh, well done. Got to get up to get down. My theory is that the the coffee edition offsets the alcohol, right? So like you can just function as normal, right? Yeah, Yeah, you just you just kind of coast. Yeah. Yeah. You get tired. You don't get energized. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good we got some caffeine going into speed round, Nick. Yay. <laughs> yeah, there's some fun ones this week, which, um, yeah, we had to substitute a few more because the world has apparently just gone batshit. Just yeah. as we start to, to tape. All right, you yeah. got, the, got the timer ready? I got the timer. You're, you're on it, Nick. Yeah. All right, Phil, introduce topic number one. All right, so topic one. Uh, today, or this, this morning, the Brookings Institute, which is a think tank, um, released this survey that they had done of college students about, they had asked college students about uh, a number of issues relating to free speech. Um, they replete, they released a report. They clearly have a take on it. They're, they're concerned about sort of changing notions of free speech. And their argument is essentially that today's college students are tomorrow's lawyers and politicians and all of these other things. So what they think about free speech matters. So they asked a series of questions. Um, One was a straightforward, is hate speech protected? Uh, Is it protected speech? Um, But the the really interesting ones, they asked questions about if uh, if there were a campus speaker who you disagreed with and there were a student group on campus that essentially shouted them down, that went to the the speech and like refused to be let them be heard, interrupted the speech, not protested, but actually interfered with the the speech. um, Would you support that? Would you support that group? And something like 50% of college students said that they would support that tactic in shutting wow. down someone they disagreed with. That's stunning. The, 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 to me, the even more shocking one, um, and, and there were differences. Republicans were less supportive than Democrats, and uh, women were more supportive than men and stuff like that. But the, um, they also asked about whether you would support violence, using violence to stop someone that you disagree with. And 20% of college students said that, yes, that using violence was, was an acceptable way to prevent someone who you disagreed with. And there was, there was a slight difference. There was virtually no difference between Republicans and Democrats on that one. Um, there so was a huge the intolerance is equal there. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty yeah. percent. Yeah, one... People are just shitheads in yeah. general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There was a difference between men and women. Men, men thought 30 percent of men thought that violence was an acceptable way to stop that. Well, Only 10 percent of women. women. Right. So it was an interesting contrast because men were more likely to say that hate speech is protected speech and that you should be able to say whatever you want. But they were also far more likely to say that if you don't like what they're saying, then kick the shit out of them. Well, I'm assuming they were saying that in the context of, you know, one of these people like hitting on their girlfriend or something like that. <laughs> so, now, somebody did point out that we don't have historical data, so we don't know if right. this is dramatically different than in, you know, 20 years ago. But it, uh, should we be concerned about this? I'm severely. I mean, yeah. I know we've talked about it a bunch. I'm severely concerned about it. Yes. This is not the first time that I've seen 
interviews with well I'm, and not that this is an interview but there are enough interviews with you know whoever the hell is doing the interviews with college students talking about well you know they're saying hateful things they don't they don't have the right to do that and you wonder what is being what are you people teaching them <laughs> this is out of control <laughs> no that to be able to make a distinction between ugly and hateful speech but still having the right to say that right the idea of, of liberalism and the enlightenment is that you you know ideas that are bad will be exposed from their internal contradictions and right. This is this is really disturbing, and yeah. I think some of this is a reflection of, of Trump, right? So there's people that are so angry at the shift that has happened with Trump that they say, well, whatever whatever we have to do to shut that that hate and that anger down is okay, but that's not okay, right? That's that only feeds the the dynamic. No, no this is very troubling. Should be the exact time when they should be learning that it is not okay to do that, right? Yeah. So I, while I agree with you two, that would make less interesting podcasts. So I'll play devil's advocate for a minute. <laughs> so where do you draw, draw the line? So, you know, go back to Charlottesville, right? Like this is speech, but these are people who are saying, you know, neo-Nazis or KKK who implied implicit in their in what they're saying is that it's not just, you know, I don't like you. Right. Like this is that you know Jews should be wiped off the face of the earth or that black people are inferior or whatever. Where do you draw the line? Like at what point? It seems like there is some point. Right. Like if there were ISIS that were demonstrating in Charlottesville, we would say, you know, most Americans would say kick their ass. So like where how do you how do you decide where you've crossed that line from just free speech to this is unacceptable? I, I mean, I think there's an immediacy to the threat that's that's being perceived, I guess, or that's being vocalized. Um, and I think it matters in the the general level of support that you're seeing. Like, I, I, I'm not going to disagree that there was a, a fairly large amount of, you know, white supremacist quote-unquote Nazis who were in Charlottesville but I mean these types of things have been going on for decades at this point and we're nowhere right. near the level that you know the, or uh, level of influence that the the Ku Klux Klan has had in decades and you know centuries past and there's we're at this point now where we feel the need to confront everything that's anathema to what we think or that is espousing a, a viewpoint that is hateful or distasteful or something like that. And they're, we've lost the ability to just go, they're just fucking, they're, they're crazy people. Just let them do their stupid little rally and go away. We so, don't see this, this level of organized and, and concerted effort to make change on a you know, regional, national, legislative level like we have previously. For me, so, I'll oh, go ahead, Phil. Uh, well, I take I, up all I, the time. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so, give, given that, I will, I'll just real quickly chime in. For me, the line is where power comes in. Because there's speech, mm -hmm. and then there's also power, and it's hard to separate those at times, right? So when you've got a group, if there's a group that has free speech but also has a tremendous amount of either institutional or whatever kind of power, that that I think we have to be careful of that because it's easy for one group in a privileged position to dominate the narrative. And then I think you start to think about the ways in which you counteract that. But in general, with, with Nazis, I think you have to allow the idiocy of those ideas to, to be revealed. So let me. <laughs> I know we're out of time. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Did the bell go off? It didn't go off. Oh, we're out of time. But let me let me let me push back a little bit because you say, you say you should be concerned because there's a difference in like immediacy, and and Bill, you say it's about power. Yeah. But so like if we go like, ISIS, 
far more people have been killed in the U.S. by the KKK than by ISIS, right? And if we talk about power, right, like white and, you know, KKK, like institutionalized, like racism is a big part of our country. So in, in my mind, like by your definitions, we should be more upset about the Klan or neo-Nazis rallying by both of your standards, right, in terms of power or in terms of like immediacy, Right. The threat from that is far greater than the threat from ISIS um, or these other groups that we would obviously have a problem with if they were demonstrating in downtown, you know, Charlottesville or Boston or wherever. But I think that that kind of from what you're talking about, it lacks the um, institutional support that it's had previously. Does that make sense? We had we had a president who like two weeks ago is like equivocated. Like the, the guy who ran into a crowd of people in Charlottesville with protesters on the left. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think I think you're I, I understand your point, but I think in some ways the Trump administration is closer to that than we've had in a long time in terms of like power and support or like, if not explicit support, sort of implicit support sure. for, the, for these. Groups. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think the level of pushback that you see on statements like that shows that there is not that institutional acceptance of those viewpoints. Like, I don't agree with what he said. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I would say the vast majority of people don't agree with what he said. And I think if this was the 50s or 60s, you would see a much different response. But I, I agree with in the sense that the danger on a day-to-day basis, our, the danger of being attacked from a right-wing terrorist is greater than from an Islamic terrorist, right? And so I, I think that, that to that extent it's true. Uh, it's but it's just it's I don't know it gets us into this domestic versus international and yeah it, it's it's a good question right, Parker we're we're well past people. time we have right, to, right. we'll come back to this in a future week at some point Tony right. just start ignoring people everything gets better <laughs> that's right uh, topic two what is topic two I forgot now healthcare healthcare is oh back. healthcare that's right yes Phil were you going to introduce healthcare yeah <laughs> you seem so excited about it. well I feel like that so there it's this weird tension so healthcare is back right so there is um. Uh, this is it Graham Cassidy, Cassidy Graham. I don't yeah. remember what the official bill. So there is a new bill that the Republicans are considering to repeal Obamacare that most health care analysts say is actually worse than um, the previous goes that the Republicans have tried. So uh, this is what the fourth or fifth time now that, that so they're less they're being less generous now. Yeah, yes, yes. This is like the fourth or fifth time that, that repeal and replace has died and somehow been brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Now, this one apparently is actually the probably the last go um, in that, uh, you know, this is through budget being done through budget reconciliation, which ends next week. So if they're going to vote on it, it has to happen by next week. But we're back in this same pattern. Um, the Republicans are scrambling to get this passed. Um, they're trying to do it without a CBO score. They're trying to do, uh, you know, try this. This is there. It, it does away with protections for pre-existing conditions and all sorts of other things. Um, so, I mean, I it, it's I, we've talked about this beforehand. <laughs> this is incredibly important. It's probably one of the bigger news stories of the week. And, and yet we're all so exhausted by it. Right. Like we nobody really wants to talk about it at the same time which I think maybe plays into the Republican hands, right? Like, so what do you think? I mean, is there a chance that they actually get something done this week? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that's the perspective, Nick, right? That was my sense when we brought it up, like, no, healthcare is not going to pass. But if it does, that's a, that's a huge deal. And maybe that's, that's the – because isn't McCain now thinking about voting for this, right? So the McCain was the, the vote that killed it last time. So, so Mc, I, I McCain mean, is – Go ahead. McCain's very much – it sounds like very much up in the air. So he is, has expressed that as long as regular order – doesn't exist like if we don't return to regular order he's opposed which we're not returning to regular order at the same time apparently the arizona governor has a big in like has a big has a big pull with mccain and the arizona governor has come out to say that he supports this so which way mccain goes who knows mccain loves this he just loves being the center of attention yeah um i i can't see them getting the 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 necessary votes for something that failed so dramatically already <clears throat> excuse me and i think there's a a significant part of the republican party that wants to see obamacare implode regardless of whether or not it's on their watch um they want to see this fail and to I, I don't know if it's a gotcha or i told you so or what but i don't think there's a lot of logical thought behind any of this anymore besides the fact that some of them want a piece of legislation to go through. Others want to. Some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> well, I, st- I still don't understand why Republicans want to own this. It feels like they made the effort so that all these members of Congress can go back to their districts and say, we tried, we tried, we tried, and we couldn't get it done. It didn't happen for a variety of reasons. Sorry. And then you stick with Obamacare, which you know gives you a foil to continue to argue against. But if they own this, this is this sounds even worse than the previous ones. Why right. would you yeah. possibly want this? I, I, I guess it has to be genuine. It has to be ideological in the sense that you genuinely want Obamacare gone. And I guess some credit to them for being consistent. But it just seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, but I, not, I, they're not they're not policy consistent though, no. right? They're just ideologically consistent. Yes, like, this doesn't line up with what the Republican Party stands for or has said they stand for. It lines up with screw Obama, right? right? Like, right. I mean, so the, 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 I think the issue that doesn't necessarily get talked about as much or the concept that you can't ignore here is this concept of negative partisanship, right? Which I, more and more people are talking about, which is not about party. It's about, it's party loyalty, but it's in, it, it's just opposition. So the, the right. thing that matters is that Obama and the Democrats did this and screw them. Right. We have our teams. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's, it's, it's less about like loving your team and more about hating the other. Right. right? So, mm-hmm. the, yeah. But think about this as a conservative to vote for something where there has never, the CBO has not come in to talk about the finances of it. That undermines the conservative ideology, right? That you want to know the costs and benefits of this, that you want to break down all of that. And they're willing to compromise that for a, a stick it to Obamacare. It, it it really is. It's sort of stunning to where the, the political dynamic is, is gone. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. McConnell came out today, I think, and said that there will be a hmm, – I want to get it right. He, I, he, he basically said there will be a vote next week on this, like that he's, he's going to have a vote on it. I, his, his language was slightly more vague than that, so I don't want to pin him down on that exactly. Is, is he – I was going to say dumb enough. Maybe that's the right way to say this. <laughs> is he dumb enough to have? So he's credited with being this political genius, right? Yeah. And he was badly burned last time in which McCain comes out in this very dramatic way and votes down a bill and he doesn't have the votes. Is is he 
naive enough, dumb enough? Is it, like, is there any chance we have that happen again? Do we actually bring this to a vote and then it goes down? I, I can't imagine he would do that, right? I mean, he took no. so much heat the last time. So this maybe suggests that there's a chance this passes. I don't know. I, 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 I This one I can't wrap my head around. Yeah, I hope it doesn't yeah. pass. <laughs> I can't imagine this would pass. At the same time, if you feel strongly about Like, this is going under the radar. So we should say to our readers... Our readers. readers. <laughs> There's that 9% beer kicking in. That's right. Our listeners. We should say to our listeners uh, that, yeah, you should call your congressman either because you hate this bill or you love it. Either way, you should call them because it's a big thing going on mm-hmm. that you may not hear. Yeah, put They're going to tell you to go fuck yourself because they have their opinions made already. Which apparently <laughs> Sheriff Clark, the sheriff from Wisconsin, there was a media guy who came up to him today, and that was his response. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's well, he's a plagi- he's a plagiarizer. So, all right. Uh, topic number three. So, in addition to healthcare being back, Spicy's back. Um, Sean Spicer made a an appearance at uh, the Emmys and uh, came out. Colbert was basically the host of the Emmys, and he came out and did a little routine where he talked about that this was the largest audience ever. And everybody got a little chuckle out of it. And he's done he's done a bunch of media the last couple of days. And it's led to this really interesting conversation about whether we should normalize Sean Spicer. Uh, and I am very torn on this, right? Because Sean Spicer, he openly lied to the American public. You know, Trump gave, I mean, not not his own lies, but Trump gave him lies. And he willingly came and did all of these things. <laughs> Arguably, that's even worse. Right, right. right. And so he did this, and then all of a sudden he gets fired, and we're like, eh, you're kind of funny. So so should we normalize Sean Spicer? I, I think so. Really? Personally. Yeah? You know, I, I mean, and being part of that administration or any administration for that matter, I think there's there's a real, there's an allure that you can't really get away from. You have some sort of influence and stature and ability to influence that you didn't have before and i i don't think anyone was under the assumption that it was going to be as fucking nuts as it was for those first few months and like go listen to the the old episodes like we talked it was just he just looks tired yeah. and like he doesn't want to do this job. and he's angry and yeah and but he left of his own volition and I, like I, I don't really see him as a bad guy. I think he was a mouthpiece for something that was unexpected and batshit crazy. All right, but, Phil, know. normalize. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, I would push back on that some because I, I think yes, there's not necessarily a way that he would know what he was getting into, but he did know what he was getting into when Trump said, "Go out there and lie about my my inauguration crowd," and he walked out there and did it. Yeah. So, like. <laughs> Whatever. You can um, Photoshop things. I mean, if they had just been faster with that, it wouldn't have been a problem. I, I'm like you, Bill. I, I'm I am. I, I don't like that. We're just like, hey, you lied to us all. Ha ha. But I also don't like that. We've seemingly lost our sense of humor about right, stuff. Right. right. Mm-hmm. I think the thing to me that stood out about the whole Emmys thing was the hypocrisy of like if that bit had been had occurred in some other context, it would have been less weird to me. But to have like Hollywood, who's just gone on and on about how terrible Trump is and how terrible Spicer oh, is yeah. to then bring him out and everyone's like, ha ha, this is funny. Like, I, so I, I think that can be both. It can be funny what Spicer was doing. It can also be problematic, mm-hmm. right? It's basically saying you lied to the American people, you sold your soul and you know, like we're not going to just 
blow that off and pretend that it was funny. Like those can both. Be, right. Like, it, it's weird to see like the it, the context, like the Emmys was what was weird about it, I think. I mean, is that does that make sense? It's especially the Emmys, where they spent most of their time attacking Trump. Right. So they directly atta- attacked him, and then somebody from right. the administration comes out, and they laugh and they clap, and they think that's funny. Yeah, um, right. No, I, I want some consistencies out of the Emmy crowd. Well, yeah. No. All right. If there's one thing that I think we can all agree on in this particular instance is that Hollywood is full of shit, 100 percent of the time. But why, why it, do you why do you hate the Emmys? Why really? They were, well, I mean, they were the lowest rated Emmys ever. I was very sad about it. <laughs> Trump tweeted that out. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Um, no, and someone I, else tweeted out that their ratings were twice the Celebrity Apprentice ratings. Oh, is that right? No, that's People crazy. are so petty. It's so bad. Well, that like that's the thing. It's this weird, like like I I felt bad for him when he was in the administration. I feel bad for him now because he's he's this weird defector kind of puppet that's that they're trying to use as some sort of trophy for their cause or something like it's it's just it feels it felt icky to me but i i i don't i don't necessarily put that on him i i think it's this like like we talked about it's this factional tribal team sport mentality that we have now we don't we have one of your guys over here, so fuck you. Yeah. We're we're clearly winning right now. So, I'm torn on this because I, I on one level I feel bad for him, right? He was put in an awful position, but he embraced the awfulness right. to a degree that is hard to understand. I mean, remember right. whether it was the crowds. I mean, he embraced multiple lines uh, lies. He also remember he he stopped the press briefings, right? He stopped the videos of those. He yeah. I mean, he did many many things that really enabled Trump, and I think there's some consequences to that. So, you know, I, I feel bad for him in that position, but I also think you had choices to make, and you made some bad choices. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think it, it, so, leg, his legacy will not be positive. Where, whereas I think, I tend to think of it as um, I don't feel bad for him at all, <laughs> right? Um, I think he he chose to do this. He, you know, he knew, if he didn't know what he was getting to, into at the beginning, it became very clear very quickly, and he still went out and said what we're blatantly obvious lies to the American people. So I, I don't feel bad for him at all, but, um, I do think that making fun of himself can be funny at the same time. Right. And he has right. the right so, to do so. Yeah, right. that's yeah. right. Yeah. All Just right. Have a sense of humor guys. You're so serious about everything. No, no, it's no, no, terrible. no. Nick, we're so serious. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun anymore. All right. Topic number four. This is, this is a bizarre one, Phil. This is, uh, you know, the attack on U.S. diplomats in Cuba. Do you want to, you've got to explain this to me because it makes no sense to me. Right, I'll try. Yeah. I don't know if I fully understand it. So we open under the Obama administration. We re-establish. You have both have looks. Is there, yeah, we're getting some so static feedback. Yeah. Sure, I'll put my, I'll put my toy away. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I yeah. get it. We should... <laughs> I feel like we should be creeped out about the static occurring at the beginning of this story. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. uh, so yeah, so we re- re- we reestablish relations with with Cuba during the Obama administration. We open an embassy. So Cuba opens an embassy in the U.S. We open an embassy in in Cuba, um, and then uh, I guess this was near the beginning of the Trump administration. There were a group of people at the U.S. embassy in Cuba, something like thirty people who came down with 
pretty severe symptoms, like sickness, nausea. Several of them like lost their hearing potentially Mm. permanently. Um, And so the U.S. has basically, it sounds like, decided or or concluded that there was some sort of attack on the U.S. embassy, some sort of sonic or sound attack. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, (laughs) But beyond that, there's not a whole lot that's known, I guess. It's unclear whether Cuba was doing this, whether Russia was doing this maybe there is some belief that perhaps because it was near the transition that it was after the election i guess there's some uh people that thought that maybe cuba was looking into was trying to listen in to what was happening in the embassy to get an an impression or an idea of whether the new trump administration would change policy towards cuba um it's all very like james bondy Yes. Yeah. So we were talking before we started recording that I, I it feels like Cuba is going to end up being this weird kind of Cold War, like very clandestine, espionage laden, just kind of free for all playground for countries that haven't been able to do that since the Cold War. Um, so they were all these people were coming. I heard that they were in a few different locations. Yes, so. they weren't yeah. all they weren't all like their home residents were all, weren't all in the same place. Right. Yeah. So I, and they all heard noises, right, at, at certain some times. Some sort of weird grinding yeah. noise or something like that. Yeah, like you said, permanent hearing loss, brain damage, really bizarre symptoms. And I I don't know. Like, that's – it's – I mean, it's horrible, but it's kind of cool. It's like, something, it's like something out of the Cold War. Right. This is what we did, right? And it, it makes no sense to me. Mm. The Cuban government has come out and denied any involvement with it. They said they, they would not pursue such tactics. So it does make you wonder, yeah, was Cuba trying to spy and they were using some mechanism that didn't work well? I, I don't I don't know what it to did, think of all this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Cuba. I, I mean, if you're Cuba and you're worried about changing administrative approaches to Cuba, I... Like, it seems like you just wait a few weeks and find out, right? right? Like, I, don't, yes. I don't understand how endangering relation, the relationship is worth the sort of slight edge you would get. Mm-hmm. This feels like it might have been a screw-up. Like, somebody was trying to do something, and it went terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah. And then it's like he, somebody put you in charge. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then whoever it was, whether it was the Cubans or the Americans or the Russians or whatever, said, like, don't say anything about this, right? Because it's so – it doesn't appear that there's any real benefit to anybody. Uh, yeah. No. I, I mean, what's what's the response to this? I, I mean, how does that change the, the diplomatic – Kind of stability. I think the tension has been more with the diplomats being angry at both the Obama and Trump administrations for not doing more about this because this is yeah. a, a big deal. What can you do Shoot. by fucking earmuffs? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> raise the raise awareness of this because this is a this is a story that's that's fairly low compared Guys, to the Manafort and the other ones. No. <laughs> Don't drink the water, and there might be very sophisticated sonic weaponry right. <laughs> weaponry in your rooms. We can, we, we can look into it. Yeah. <laughs> Of all the stuff like in the international community and international law and all of that stuff, we we as as you know Earth hold Earth. Um, <laughs> the, yeah right right the, the international community holds these like diplomatic rights in like in this like super high esteem right like for whatever reason we take this really seriously. So if if there is um, you know it's not like. <laughs> If there is an attack on the U.S. embassy, that's that's huge, right? That's like yeah. a major that's a major violation. Um, so it, it seems like you know somehow getting to the bottom of it. 
<laughs> if Cuba is trying to listen in and it screwed it up, that's bad. If Cuba is like trying to attack the embassy, that's really bad. Um, it seems to me like another sort of thing that Trump could latch onto a way in which he could attack Obama's legacy. I, I could see him basically using this as an excuse to sever or to step back from sort of opening relations with right. Cuba. Um, but again, you have to have a State Department to make some of these decisions, which we don't have. Sleepy Rex Tillerson probably hasn't even read the memo yet. So <laughs> Maybe he's being attacked with sound waves, and that's, that's what That would make a lot more sense, sleepy waves. He did look really sleepy during Trump's speech yesterday, yeah. whereas, whereas John <laughs> Kelly John Kelly looked like he was just going exhausted. to vomit. Yeah. If you haven't seen the pictures, go out and see these pictures. And one picture is he got his, his head in his hand, and the other one he's like you know massaging his scalp. I mean... Talk about a guy who's in just an awful position right now. Mm-hmm. And unlike John uh, uh, Spicer, I don't think he's sold his soul quite yet. So mm-hmm. We'll get there. We have time. Yeah. Um, I think we can end this topic 20 seconds early. Fine. All right. It's so much fun, Ding, though. ding. <laughs> ding, ding. We don't get many fun, Cold War-y, Cold War-y type you know, espionage things. We don't, Nick. But you're going to like our final topic. This, right. is a, um, this is a question for both of you. And the question is, what is more disturbing? Okay. So two events happened this week. The first was Donald Trump had a meeting with the French president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, where Trump went off on this rant about how wonderful the parade he, he saw in France was and how he wants to have a military parade back in the United States. So let me just read a little bit of what Trump said. So Trump went on and on about the military parade was, I think, a tremendous thing for France and for the spirit of France. And people don't know what a great, great warriors they are in France. But when you see all their victories, it was a tremendous thing. And to a large extent, because of what I witnessed, we may do something like that on the 4th of July in Washington down Pennsylvania Avenue. If I have your approval, asking Macron. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to try and top it. But we have a lot. We had a lot of planes going over and a lot of military might. It was a really beautiful thing. It was really so well done but i came back and one of my early calls i was thinking we gotta do this so we're actually thinking about a fourth of july parade on pennsylvania avenue having a really great parade to show our military strength awesome. he's, he's six years Our, old that's 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 a <laughs> b is the tweet he sent out on sunday showing him or actually he retweeted something where somebody had, had put together a video of him hitting a golf ball and then that golf ball flying in the air and hitting Hillary Clinton in the back as she boards a plane and falling over. So he retweeted that. So what is more disturbing, Nick? <laughs> Why well, you can start with me? <laughs> I, I thought B was hilarious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I think the thought of a, uh, a USSR... Um, like military parade down Pennsylvania Avenue is probably not sending the right message on the 4th of July. Um, I'm going to go with A. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Phil. I don't know. (laughs) I I go back and forth. Um, So I'm going to (laughs) go, I'm going to go with B. Okay. The golf ball in the back of Hillary Clinton. So uh, yeah, I should explain why. (laughs) There are there are lots of democracies that do big military parades. And let's be honest, the Fourth of July, we're already pretty over the top on like nationalism (laughs) and like let's you know, we love our soldiers and our military. So like having a parade doesn't seem like that much of a step further. It it is a little concerning, right? It goes in line with this, you know, lots of other kind of 
proto-fascist sort of stuff that you see out of. But um, yeah, the and and again, while I agree with you, Nick, to some extent, there is there is a little humor in the. <laughs> It is the when you when you get down to the root, which is the there's so there's several issues, one of which is that the Trump that Trump is like immature enough to to think that he should as president retweet this. Correct. And then there's the underlying whole like I'm, you know, physically assaulting my competitor in some way. Um, Like if I think about it as like a political scientist in this like zoomed out, like which is a, a more sort of concerning norm being undermined the whole like attacking your opponent even though you've beaten them and like to some extent humiliated them yeah i I got it i gotta go with b that's no fun (laughs) bill what about you you get to break the tie so for me i think there's there's a couple things going on here one i will give trump some credit in his his retweeting and his endorsement of violence against his political opponents, he finds funny things, right? There's a way to do this that would be just offensive, but he doesn't do that. He always there's always like a little bit of humor in it, which makes it uncomfortable because the first time I saw that, I thought I kind of chuckled and I thought, no, that's terrible. That's you know what he's suggesting is that you know physical violence against her. That's not right. I mean, the golf ball didn't actually hit her. No, I know, I know, Nick, I know. <laughs> so. For me, I will say, like, my gut reaction was more to the parade stuff. That really troubled me. Because he, not just because, not just because he mentioned it, because he went on and on and on. And it suggested he thought a lot about it. The retweet, I'm guessing that took all of about eight seconds of his time, right? So he's funny. Yeah, he went through his white supremacist Twitter followers and then, you know, retweeted something and then moved on. But this one, he's, he's clearly thought about it and likes the idea of a military parade. And if we do that, that has a much bigger impact right if we have a military parade with tanks and missiles and whatever it is like yeah. that's, that's that's it's just embarrassing bad. it's it's yeah. north korea right right given all his, his hatred toward north korea you would think he would realize that this is not a good idea Correct. and this is not the first time like he toyed with this idea at inauguration right so i mean right. this whole idea of like a big military display of strength is is uh it's not a one-off thing it's a it's a theme throughout his time in office it's just not going to look as good either we don't have the timing down right you can't beat people to get the timing right the leg thing they the can't leg do dance? the leg nobody's trained for right. that no that's that's so a big it, that no. takes time there's no way in hell it happens right like that's not are you help. insane no phil it's probably going to happen <laughs> no the parade the, the military is not going to like i i i think that he might really want it but i think yeah. the military's response is we've got way better things to do than to march down pennsylvania avenue yeah all right I, I, I didn't read this but the final quote he said is we're looking forward to doing that i'm speaking with chief of staff john kelly and with all the people involved and we'll see if we can do it this year but we certainly are beginning to do that i i think no. i think he's, no. he's committed no. So John Kelly and his military advisors are like, that's a good point, Donald. We'll we'll work on that. We'll get back to you. Like that's exactly what's happening. So he thinks it's happening and they're all like busy making plans for Afghanistan, right? Because they have better things to do. We we might go to war with Korea just so we don't have to do a military parade on the fourth right. of July. Just how so do we get out of this? If 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 having a big military parade down Pennsylvania Avenue would help him relax about North Korea, I'd say do it. Like let's do it. Roll some tanks down Pennsylvania Avenue and lay off on the whole nuclear threat. <laughs> it's like a hurricane, but better. No. <laughs> so. Just have, have somebody make a video. Say, we can't have you out in the parade because you're too much of a target. Just give them, like, some VR goggles or something and just run a movie in front of it. It's fine. <laughs> is, yeah. is it disturbing that I felt a little better about this week's podcast because I thought we have a whole bunch of really crazy stories? Uh-huh. Like, last yeah. week was a little slow. 
And then I thought, oh no, we got lots of crazy this week. Yeah, you can see why the media just grabs grabs onto the shit. There's the bell. Good timing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have that cord, please? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, I think that was our last one. Last topic, yes. Um, Yeah, bizarre. Bizarre week, to yes. say the least. Yep. And um, uh, next week, we're going to do a little uh, look at Hillary Clinton. We'll also, whatever happens next week, we'll obviously break that down as well with uh, Dr. Suzanne Chad. That'll um, be a calm, rational discussion in which we all agree with one another, right? Oh, on, on Hillary? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Nobody's I'm, head will spontaneously combust, I swear. <laughs> and, and all of you need to read the book by next Tuesday. <laughs> I've already read, read it three times. You've read it three times. <laughs> Um, final thoughts? Anything else? This was this was fun. All right. Yeah. Um, shameless plugs I, again. Facebook, Twitter, yeah. email us at yeah. Barstool Paul uh, Politics uh, on Facebook. Uh, review Twitter, us. Review Barstool. us on iTunes. Yeah, definitely yeah. review us. That's how we get more followers and get better placement in um, in iTunes. Uh, send beer suggestions or comments or anything else. Um, Barstool Politics <laughs> <laughs> at Yahoo.com. Uh, beer suggestions you can find on the Untapped app. Uh, we're under Barstool Politics. And uh, yeah, I think that's it, guys. Cheers. Call me Rocket Man from here on out. Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man's out. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.